am your host, Jay Poole, and this is Potstirer Podcast, War on Christmas 2021. Welcome to Potstirer Podcast, where politics, religion, and history collide, and it's not always polite. This episode is the annual War on Christmas special. The first War on Christmas back in 2017 focused on the actual War on Christmas. The fear-mongering fostered by some conservative Christians when retailers, employers, and others say Happy Holidays instead of Merry Christmas and acknowledged that this time of year includes holidays for other belief systems and cultures, not just Christmas. But ever since the first War on Christmas special, this has simply become the name of our yearly holiday special. Joining me for this year's War on Christmas is my husband, Chuckles. Hi, Chuckles! Hello, Jay. We're really glad you could join us. Chuckles joins me occasionally on the show to give a different perspective on some of the issues we discuss here. One of the things that gets discussed quite a bit in Democratic Party and liberal circles is how to get buy-in from more conservative members of society, how to draw people away from the grip of right-wing politics, especially as the right-wing here in the U.S. has become more and more extreme over time, and the Republican Party has become increasingly willing to cater to the alt-right, white supremacists, Christian dominionists, and other extremist authoritarian elements. Today, Chuckles is joining me because he wants to share with you his journey in moving himself away politically from the Republican Party. So, let's get started. Yay! Yay! Some scholars in political behavior say that the partisanship of parents and guardians is the number one factor in how people develop their own partisanship, though in recent years this has been up for debate. But in any case, our families and our environment tend to have a profound effect on us growing up, including how we see the world. So I want to get listeners a little bit of background on yourself. So in general, Chuckles, how would you say you grew up? Born and raised in uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. I went to a private school for most of my time for grade school. Uh, we None of us were particularly religious. Like They mainly put me in, in private school just so I could have the, the better education. Okay. Did they have any reservations about the public school system? What was their concern as far as, say, having you in, a, in public school versus private school? Well, I had been in, in public school my first year of grade school, my first several years of grade school, but uh, the, even they could tell that the, the teachers just weren't really too involved. They didn't really seem to care about teaching their students. They seemed to just care more about the about the, the paycheck more than anything. 
so they felt that you would get more of the attention that you needed in a private school setting. Uh, correct. Okay. Who did you grow up with? I grew up pr- primarily with my grandparents and my dad. But uh, he, he worked as a over-the-road trucker, so he wasn't home that often. So it was mainly my grandparents that raised me. My grandmother was uh, dropped out of high school. I believe she graduated high school. And then my grandfather, he was he achieved uh, a Ph.D., a doctorate oh. in, in college. So in terms of education, how did your grandparents approach that with you? Did they emphasize education to you? How did they express that as a value? Education was very important to both of them. I mean, my my grandmother, because of the fact that she hadn't gone as far as you probably would have liked, and then my grandfather having achieved so much, of course, he wanted just the best for me. Okay. Now, in general, what would you say the types of values that were imparted on you by your family? Just to, to treat people how I'd like to be treated, to see everyone as equal. Okay. All right. Any other um, important values, just in general, that they instilled in you? To just work hard, work, work hard, uh, uh, focus on your dreams. So they really try to encourage you to really work hard and follow the follow your dreams and achieve your dreams. Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay. Now, moving on specifically to politics, what is your earliest memory of politics? Probably uh, the 92 election. Because I I remember that uh, being a kid back then, of course, you know, watched a lot of Nickelodeon and they did the they did like a mock election almost where where you could call in and you could uh, you could vote for your candidate and kind of feel like you were involved and so that was kind of cool so i i remember calling in and uh oddly enough voting for bill clinton really that's interesting what made you decide to vote for bill clinton as a young kid i i think it's because of the fact that that he he seemed more with it and just kind of just kind of swaggy in a sense he just had that swagger and uh Almost that cool factor about him. That, that's so interesting. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting to kind of look back and look at how our early memories of politics, how they might be similar or different or the things that we kind of think are like the important things as a kid, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, for you, you saw like Bill Clinton as like, oh, he's the cool president as opposed to, say, George H.W. Bush back then, who who's older. And so I can imagine that being a factor for a young kid, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It makes me think of one of my first memories was the presidential election before that, the one in 88. And I was like really young, but we had a mock election at school. And in that election was between George H.W. Bush and Michael Dukakis. And yeah, at the time we were living in Cleveland. Cleveland is a very democratic, very blue collar place and so most of the most of my classmates voted for michael dukakis i was one of the few that voted for george hw bush and my reason was just like like he's vice president he knows more than dukakis does i just think it's so fascinating to kind of look back and think of being a young kid and the things that matter then 
before getting tainted by life. <laughs> Child politics are such a strange thing, aren't they? They really are. <laughs> so how did you come to identify as a Republican? Probably just hearing my grandparents talk about it and hearing my dad talk about it, about politics, and just kind of, I guess, falling into that from there. Were they all Republicans? Very much so. Okay. As you heard them talk about politics and you knew that they were Republicans, that you kind of absorbed that same identity. Oh, yeah. And then just kind of just sort of went from there. Because, of course, you know, you see you listen to their to their opinions on things. And, of course, you think to yourself, oh, that may that kind of makes sense, you know. That makes sense. Yeah. Especially if your family is so influential in your life, they'll talk about an issue and it's like from their perspective and it's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. You know, so, uh, of yeah. course, I, I think, you know, it has to do with the fact that, you know, when, when you're that age, you look to the to the people that's, that are raising you and, and you think that they just know everything no matter what. So if if that's how they feel or if that's their view on something, obviously, that's right. Obviously, that's the right opinion because they're your parents. So, of course, you're going to go with what they say. Yeah. What they believe. Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. Now, at the time, like when you started to develop your own political opinions, how did you view yourself ideologically? So when I ask this, I mean, not so much partisanship, but more of like your ideology. So did you view yourself as being conservative? or more moderate, or libertarian, or like, kind of where did you put yourself ideologically? Uh, I never really labeled myself, but thinking back, I probably would have considered myself fairly conservative. Okay. And what were the most important political issues to you at the time? Just about the same as they are now. I'm number one, no matter what, is, the, is largely the Second Amendment. Why is the Second Amendment the most important issue for you? I feel like it's an important right to have. I know that there's a lot of negative connotation, but I think that as soon as the country actually gets a grip on the fact that we need more access to better mental health resources, then people will begin to understand that maybe that the guns aren't the issue, and it is the people that are the issue. I think that's one of the challenges when talking about gun rights and gun control is that on one hand people look at our high death rate from guns but at the same time i think another thing that we also do need to look at is how in the united states having access to quality health care especially quality mental health care is kind of spotty and i think that that also plays into the high death rate from guns and so I think that being able to tackle that issue in a way that is more multidimensional and not just like, okay, the easy answer is to get rid of guns. I think that that would go a long way towards lowering that rate, I think. Yeah, I would agree. I just think that it's easy to, to make guns the scapegoat when people don't want to sit and uh, admit that that mental health is a is an issue in the country right now. I think probably the challenge is that sometimes 
mental health gets brought up, especially by conservatives, but then not actually addressed. So they'll say like, okay, yeah, mental health is the problem. So-and-so who maybe shot up a school or a church or whatnot, they're crazy or they're, they have issues or whatever. And yes, they may have mental health issues, but then, but it's like, okay, well, what are you doing to actually address that? And I think that's one of the challenges with this issue is that I think both sides have a problem with actually addressing the root causes. Yeah, fair enough. Mm-hmm. Were there any other important political issues for you at that time? Of course, I mean, the, the First Amendment, always a huge one, no matter what. Were there any ways that your political identity, and when I say political identity, I mean partisanship and your ideology. So when it was first formed, what were some ways that that was reinforced? I think, again, just listening to to, to my grandparents and mainly my dad talk about politics, listening to their views on things and thinking, well, uh, obviously they must be right. Uh, it was listening to them, but also like listening to the evening news and then hearing their opinions on things. What were the important political issues for your grandparents and your dad? I don't know that they necessarily really had any important political issues. I mean, of course, with my dad, again, the the Second Amendment was important to him. But but then also, I, mean, I think that all three of them, the First Amendment is always important. What was it about the First Amendment that they felt was important? Just that it was uh, nice to to be able to, to speak your mind in this country and not have to necessarily worry about the government coming down on you for it. It was specifically the free speech rights within the First Amendment. Right, yeah. Okay. Do you think, looking back, that the community that you grew up in, do you think that that also made a difference at all? I mean, I was never really out into the community that much at that age, so I didn't really pay much attention to how other people felt about things politically. Okay, that makes sense. As a young adult, did your friends and others in your social circle express the same values or different ones in terms of politics? As I got older, largely opposite, largely uh, more liberal or democratic views. And at the time, when you think back, how did you respond to political disagreement? It depended. Like, usually it would be a calm discussion, but then there were a couple times where they were more animated. One of the bigger ones was, was one of my really good friends. We had a disagreement about Michael Moore and his treatment of Charlton Heston. I was 100% certain that Michael Moore had been splicing footage. My friend was just 100% certain, no way. And uh, I know that we had several uh, loud discussions also involving uh, George W. Bush. That guy's to be bad enough that we actually ended up uh, deleting each other off of MySpace temporarily. <laughs> oh, MySpace. That's bringing it back. <laughs> yeah, gotta, gotta love the, the retro callback. My friends and I didn't really get into the political discussions all that often. It's just that when we did get into them, they tended to be pretty active. Okay. When would you say you start to rethink your partisanship? Honestly, largely it was the whole 
event with George Floyd. This happened around 2020, so last year? Yes. Okay. What was it about that in particular that made you begin to rethink your partisanship? Uh, just seeing the fact that just just how blatant everything was and how it was like just right there in front of you to see what happened. But then to have the conservative side just treat like, oh, you know, Chauvin's knee was on his shoulder or or that George Floyd had three times the lethal dose of fentanyl in his system. And and yet you can very clearly tell that George Floyd is being choked and having trouble breathing. But then the other really big event was probably Donald Trump's reaction to to COVID-19. What was it about that that made you rethink as well? Just the fact that he went on TV and screamed over and over again about how, oh, it's a hoax and, oh, it's not real and, oh, it's just the flu and – Seeing his supporters be the same way, just follow him like it was nothing, despite the fact that you had thousands of people dying weekly. Yeah. And then especially considering that I work with senior citizens mm-hmm. and, and seeing how quickly in an environment like that COVID-19 could spread mm-hmm. from like zero cases one day to I think we had 20 within about a week or so and just out of nowhere oh wow seeing it up front that's i would imagine that that would really make an impact Mm. yeah i I cannot emphasize enough that covid19 is real it's a danger to people and we need to get vaccinated yes definitely i i would definitely agree with that message and i appreciate you sharing that I think people need more and more people need to hear that. Oh, uh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So I guess kind of going along with that. Now, would you ever have said that you were a Trump supporter prior to this or were you indifferent to Trump or how did you feel about Donald Trump prior to COVID-19? I wouldn't necessarily say that I was a supporter. I was of the opinion that I thought that he would do a better job than Hillary Clinton, but I think that I I don't think that he was the right answer. Neither of them were, though. Okay, but COVID-19 really was the thing that pushed you into maybe looking in in a different direction. Oh, well, uh, there was that. And then also just like as Donald Trump's terms as president went on. Feeling myself almost getting worried about checking social media and just thinking to myself, oh, no, what what has he done today? What has he said? What has he tweeted? Who has he pissed off today? Mm-hmm. It's almost you know, that Trump anxiety, you know? That makes sense. I, I remember feeling that, too. Now, do you think that you're distancing yourself from the Republican Party? Do you think that that has had any effect on your life currently? Maybe not necessarily in regards to my friendships or anything, but I I do feel like I've probably become more willing to speak out or to go against what my family would say is the right thing or what they would believe is the right thing. Okay, so more of like an independence of thought. Exactly. And being more willing to share that. Right. 
So now that you're like, okay, I'm not Republican, how would you say you identify now? I would largely say I, I don't know how what label to put on it. I just know that I don't really like the idea of referring to myself as a conservative anymore. Okay. You don't really feel like, okay, I want to put a label on this, but okay, I'm not conservative anymore. I'm not a Republican. Right. Would you say then that at this point, would you say that you're you're open to say continuous change or continuous exploration in terms of your political identity, or do you feel that you're currently secure in where you are currently? I would welcome continued growth. It's always good to always like as you get more information and different perspectives. It's always good to kind of have that, you know, at least an open mind for growth. And I think all of us could use that oh for sure yeah yeah if you were to give any advice to the democratic party on how they can attract people like yourself what would you tell them i would say they really need to focus on wanting to work together with the republican party and of course i would say the same thing to the republican party they need to learn to work with the democratic party because if they're just sitting and they're yelling back and forth at each other, oh, you're stupid. No, you're stupid. That's not going to help the country at all. It's just going to tear us further apart. Mm. And and, that, and that's not good for anyone. But, of course, then on top of that, then they go and they get backstage and they just laugh about it. Yeah. Because, yeah, that's one of the things that's tough about it is because outside of what they show on camera a lot of them are friends with each other they hang out they go to their parties and all of that like they mingle their families mingle i remember saying this a long time ago but it's almost like kayfabe if you ever watch professional wrestling there's this idea of what they call keeping kayfabe which is so professional wrestling as many of you know is predetermined the wrestlers play characters. They often use ring names, which are similar to stage names. They'll play either a baby face, a good guy, or a heel, a bad guy. In, in recent years, there are tweeners, those that have aspects of both heel and face. And there are storylines. These storylines are made up or they're theater. That whole thing is kayfabe. And I think politics can kind of be like that, too, where there's the theater, there's the kayfabe for the mainstream media. We hate each other, so on and so forth. But then it's like neither party is doing everything that they can to try to do what's best for the country. The main difference between pro wrestling and politics is that in pro wrestling, What's at stake is ratings, the health of the wrestlers themselves. But outside of that ring, it doesn't really matter in everyone's day-to-day -day life, as opposed to in politics, where the stakes are so much higher and it impacts each and every one of our daily lives. And so it's a high-stakes game that they're playing. Chuckles, you know that. And... The listeners, I'm sure if you've listened to me long enough, you know that I'm pretty left on the majority of issues. 
But at the same time, I can also recognize that we do have an issue with our current system not actually passing legislation, making these bold moves that are for the good of the people, and always try to find excuses to not do what's best for the American people. That's a very good way to put it. This episode will be released right before the Christmas holiday. And I'm sure many of our listeners are going to be spending time with family, including family members who disagree with them politically. And these people might make it very, very well known. So for listeners that might be stepping into that kind of a situation or similar, what would be your advice to them? I would say try your best to keep the disagreements down. Just stay calm. Remind yourself that... That your family member, they grew up in a uh, in a different time. They're probably more likely to to let those opinions be known loudly. But my number one advice would be for sure to uh, like don't just completely x out your family just because you have a political disagreement. It's not worth it. Be understanding of of your relatives' opinions. You don't have to like them, but you also don't have to be mean about it. That's that accomplishes uh, nothing at all. Uh, it just makes everyone mad, and it will really kind of just ruin the holidays. Thank you very much, Chuckles, for being honest and real with us and sharing your perspective. I'm more than glad to share. Thank you for listening to Potstar Podcast, War on Christmas 2021. If you enjoyed the episode, check out the other episodes and subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Prime, or your favorite podcast player. And if you really like the show, please give it five stars on your podcatcher of choice and leave a review. That's just so others are more likely to check out the show. So I'd really appreciate it. Tell your family and friends as well. Go to potstarpodcast.com for new episodes, merch, and so much more. And tweeting is my thing. So follow me on Twitter at PotstirrerCast. I'm Jay Poole. Have a very Merry Christmas if you celebrate. And to everyone, have a wonderful, safe, and healthy holiday season. <laughs>